want to return us to the beginning of this chapter uh, before I, I even get into the intro because this is, this is where the title comes from. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love. We hear this command, walk in love, in verse 2. As Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Jesus has sacrificed himself as the perfect offering to God. And because of the love that he has shown to us through his sacrifice for us, Paul says that we, as followers of Jesus, should walk in love. That's our title this morning, Walking in Love. We're going to see some things, and as you listen this morning, we heard some things that love is not, and we'll focus in on that. But I want us to think about that this morning, walking in love. So we'll confront some things that our world thinks perhaps is love or fun, uh, but we won't do that. So, uh, it made me think, I was trying to come up with an illustration. Did anybody, when they were younger, read the Choose Your Own Adventure books? Come on, anybody, several of you, mostly over 40. Okay, uh, read these books, say something about our era and our, our childhood and when we engaged in these. Um, these are books that were in a series. Uh, you can still purchase them, I, I believe. Uh, but the goal of it was as you're reading along, every so often the plot would stop. And if you want this to happen, then you go to this page. And if you want this to happen, then you go to this page. And there's like all these different uh, things and endings. And basically the story is what you want. What a great way to teach children to be completely self-absorbed. You get everything you want, even in the novel that you're reading. You can just make the story, and it'll all revolve around your preferences. No, that's not how life works. God writes the story, and we respond to it. We don't get everything we want in the story. I wish I could, don't you? <laughs> I'd turn to a different page sometimes. That was pathetic. Okay, but this is the way our world works. All right, this is, in some senses, when it comes to the issues that are on the page, things that come out of our mouth, things we're doing with our bodies sexually, our world is a choose-your-own-adventure kind of a world. And that is not walking in love. It's the opposite of what Paul says and what he commands here in Ephesians. Our first point this morning is a powerful point. Many people in our culture would disagree uh, with this, and they would say that sexual expression is always an expression of love. And uh, to that, uh, we, we see in the Word of God uh, that it is, it is contrary, okay? Uh, so we're going we're gonna to focus in on this, and I want you to, I want you to understand. Uh, here is uh, something else that Paul said in another letter. This is in 1 Corinthians chapter 6. And I want you to see here that Paul is talking specifically about sexual sins. Flee from sexual immorality, he says. Every other sin a person commits is outside the body, but the sexually immoral person sins against his own body. So these, when we are talking about sexual immorality, uh, and the way that verse 3 is written, it says sexual immorality and all impurity and covetousness must not even be named among you. We're talking about sins that affect us even to our physical bodies. They are sins against the way that God has created us. 
Now, I also want you to understand the culture in which letters like 1 Corinthians and Ephesians were received. The Roman Empire, well, first of all, let's zoom way out in all of human history, and let's freely admit that there is no culture anywhere that has ever gotten the concept of sex 100% correct. Humans have always struggled with it, but the standards in Rome, many people, even in America, would consider those standards to be abysmal and abhorrent. These are awful. There's no way this would stand. Um, and so what we're, what we're going to see is that even in, in cultures past, in our culture present, the, the goal uh, is kind of shifting. Uh, the end zone kind of moves uh, based on some of the whims of the day. But the word of God and God's expectations uh, for us as far as sexual morals have stayed the same. In Rome, Christians held their ground and they, they practiced a consistent sexual ethic and actually over centuries changed the culture around them by being revolutionaries in their own culture. By taking God at his word and, and living that way, they were a witness to the culture around them and eventually their morals won the culture. Be encouraged to hear that this morning. So the question for us is, are we interested in having or upholding or encouraging each other to pursue godly standards for sexual morality. All right, if you're thinking about this topic and this issue uh, from culture today and you're not entirely sure what the Bible says, I want you to know that uh, I as a pastor and we as a local church love you. We want to listen, we want to have conversations, we want to be able to talk about why the Bible has standards, what the standards are, what they mean, and why we believe there's freedom in living the way the Bible asks us to live. All right, if you don't know much about uh, this, I'm going to encourage you that obedience to God's standards, not only in the area of sexuality, is always freedom. Obedience sounds like slavery, but when we are obedient to God and his word, it's always freedom. For the believer, because we're doing what God wants us to do according to the way that he has things for, uh, to work for us. Okay, so be encouraged that. There is actual health when we don't buy into the you can do whatever you want or be whatever you want type of sexual beliefs in our culture. There's actual health in saving sexual activity for marriage between a man and a woman. And as we look here at verse 3, it says sexual immorality. That term means all sexual activity outside of marriage. Christians, from the very beginning of the, the church and having roots in Jewish culture, believed in a single family unit with a husband and a wife, and that was where sexuality was supposed to be expressed. And so the term sexual immorality means all activity that is happening outside of that relationship. And what does it say? It says, it must not even be named among you as is proper among saints. It shouldn't even look like we're being sexually immoral. Pursuing and trying to be obedient to Jesus means that the appearance of sex outside of marriage shouldn't be present in our lives. This is why we're going to talk to couples who are living together before marriage and encourage them to make that relationship right before God. It shouldn't look 
like there's sexual immorality. And while I believe it's really healthy for men and women to be friends, appearances matter according to a text like this. And so when it comes to accountability and the way that we're living our lives, we shouldn't fear any accountability because we want to be above even the appearance of being immoral. The beginning of chapter 4, Paul reminds them he's a prisoner for the Lord and he urges them to walk in a manner worthy of the calling in which they've been called. Verse 2 says, bearing with one another in love. We get to chapter 5 and he basically repeats the same command. Verse 2 of our passage today, walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us. Love. Love is not whatever free expression of sex our culture or any of us dreams up on our own. Even in marriage, where sex is supposed to happen and to be enjoyed between husband and wife, sex is only part of the way that couples show their love for each other. Paul even includes consequences. If you skip down to verse 5, you may be sure of this, that everyone who is sexually immoral or impure or who is covetous, that is an idolater, has no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. In the first part of this letter, uh, Paul in Ephesians chapter 1 reminded uh, these believers that they are a part of an inheritance. Verse 13, in him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. Verse 14, who is the guarantee of our inheritance? By our faith, we are an inheritance. We will acquire possession of it to the praise of God's glory. And here in Ephesians 5, we find out that sexual immorality, those staying in it willingly, are outside of, of that kingdom. There's no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. So what does this mean? Does this mean that anybody who's ever done anything sexually immoral is automatically excluded from heaven? No. No, it, it means when we stay in those sins and we're numb to it and we think we're right and we're arrogant and God's ways are wrong and we are in our own pride and we're rebelling against that, then, then God can't work with that. And those are the folks who are outside of God's will and are excluded from heaven. But let me encourage you this morning that many believers have found forgiveness for sexual sin. So if today you're leaning toward or if you're engulfed in some sort of sexual sin, let these words be a strong warning not to stay there. God calls us to repentance. I want you to experience and to have both the warning that continuing on in sin and arrogance toward God and his commands will leave us away from his presence forever. But I, I want that to lead us toward the joy and the hope that can be found when we experience the refreshing of forgiveness. There is no sin, however dirty or secret or shameful, that you have been a part of or any believer has been a part of that cannot be redeemed by the blood of Jesus Christ. We're to walk in love because Christ sacrificed himself for us. And so when we see right here out of the gate that love is not sex, we know what love is, and it is 
sacrifice, that God has sacrificed his son Jesus for us, and we can walk in that kind of sacrificial love. Here it is again, 1 John 4. Anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. He loves you. He loves me. He loves us enough to send his son Jesus to die for us and to sacrifice himself so that our sins can be forgiven before God. Any other attempt that you or I would make to earn forgiveness for our sins would be flawed because we're sinners. Jesus was perfect, and he sacrificed himself by the love of God. Love rejects immorality and challenges in our lives. We don't even want it to look that way. It is not a choose-your-own-adventure when it comes to how to live in the area of sexual morality. Second, this morning, love is not cheap talk. I had to group these together by topic. We're going to go actually backward a little bit to verse 4. Let there be no filthiness, nor foolish talk, nor crude joking, which are out of place. But instead, let there be thanksgiving. Let's kind of zoom in on, on that verse for just a moment. No filthiness. And that uh, word means obscenity. No uh, foolish talk, uh, which means uh, losing a grip on reality. That perhaps you're involved in things that are just crazy and they're not even close to to reality, so no, no filthiness, no obscenity, no foolish talk, no, no losing your grip on reality, don't lose those things, no crude joking, laughing by means of vulgarity, or kind of tied back to uh, obscenity, uh, getting a laugh out of somebody uh, by things we shouldn't be laughing about. These, according to verse 4, are out of place. Then uh, verse 6 let no one deceive you with empty words. For because of these things, the wrath of God has come upon the sons of disobedience. Empty words, ineffective, uh, vain, or worthless. It, all of this sounds kind of silly, doesn't it? I mean, doesn't Paul trust these Christians to know the difference between what's sensible and what's insensible? Wouldn't he trust them to, to know that and to live it out? The encouragement comes... Because when we're not living that way, it, first of all, it's not love. It just isn't. Second of all, when we rid these things from our lives, it allows us a better focus. Here's one thing we can say for sure when it comes to focus. If you look back at uh, uh, verse 4, it says, Filthiness, foolish talk, and crude joking are out of place but instead let there be thanksgiving. So one thing that we can know for sure is that when the more we get caught up in such silliness, the less we praise. The less we have time to thank God for who he is and, and we get caught up in our own words and being amused by them. Cheap talk can actually lead us away from praising God. This is also a word to believers who may be tempted to get caught up in every conspiracy theory that comes along and live on the fringes of the internet. I don't want to shame anybody who thinks this way, but empty and ineffective words and talk can draw us away from our Lord. 
it can draw us away from the unity that Paul fights for and strives for throughout the letter of Ephesians. It can draw us away from walking in love. If we are so convinced that our pet belief is correct, it's going to draw us away from unity and love and walking that way in the body. So the question would come to us, are we discipled more by the cable news cycle or the fringes of the internet or stand-up comedy or trashy movies that make us laugh or are we discipled more by the word of God? Love is not cheap talk. It is not choose your own adventure. Say whatever you feel as long as it might make somebody laugh or might give you a cheap thrill. Our words matter when we're trying to walk in love. Finally, today, I've left the last section and the most encouraging uh, for the end. That's just kind of what happens when you preach through the passage. Today we get a gift. 7 through 14 are wonderful. There's some great truth in here. I'm going to read the whole thing again. Because if you're struggling a little bit, and feeling some conviction, which I hope at times we are. I, I really have struggled in, in parts of this this week in preparing. God is never far behind with encouragement. And I hope that we'll see that today. I'm going to pick up again at verse 7 if you still have that up on your phone or if you have your finger on that place in the Bible. And I want you to pay attention as I go through this. Uh, the best way I summarize this is love is light committed to Jesus and others. You probably have a lot better way than I have of saying that. Uh, so write your own if you have a better third point than I came up with. But pay attention for the theme of light. Walking in love is, is walking in light. We're going to hear that. Therefore, verse 7, do not become partners with them. For at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. And try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. For it is shameful even to speak of the things that they do in secret. But when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. For anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore it says, awake, O sleeper. And arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. I'm going to group a couple of these together and make some comments. Verse 7 and 8, don't partner with those in darkness. Why? Because believers shouldn't be that way. That's the way we were. Keep reading the reference that I had in 1 Corinthians 6, and you'll see this list of sins and categories. And Paul says, and that is what you were. That is what some of you were. There's a past tense when you're a believer in Jesus Christ. It's who I was, but it's not who I am. Praise the Lord. I hope that gives you hope and encouragement today. It's good for you if you're a believer. It's good for anybody in your life who may be lost in this kind of sin and in the darkness that goes along with it. There's always a way out, and his name is Jesus. Don't partner with it. Don't go back to it. We used to be that way, but now in Christ our lives are full of light and darkness. Verse 9, the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. Telling the truth matters. Seeking the truth matters, which is why we don't want to live on the fringes of information and the Internet and try to find all of our ideas that are outside of reality. 
It is good and right and true and it honors the Lord. We come together and we, we try to discern, verse 10, what is pleasing to the Lord. Do you see the divide here? If we're walking in love, we're going to separate ourselves from sins that are dark and everybody says it's okay. And we're going to come together and we're going to try to encourage each other and figure out what is right and true and pleasing to God. The Roman Christians changed their culture, changed the views of sexual morality from multiple ways, including using children and prostitution and affairs. That was commonplace in Roman culture to over decades of faithfulness. An example, the Christians changed the morals, commonly accepted morals, to one family, one marriage, one partner, one way what they did not partnering with those in darkness separating themselves from those sins living by example what is right and true and pleasing to God please have hope if you're caught in this darkness we don't have to be that way you can turn to Christ and find the forgiveness how look at verse 11 take part in, in take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness but instead expose them tell the truth about what it is I can't find a whole lot of people who say that they're all excited about human trafficking. The fact that human beings and their bodies would be, would be bought and sold on markets that we have no, may have no clue or conception of how those work. I can't find a whole lot of people who say, I really am in favor of that, except perhaps those that are running those operations. But sometimes if people are, are caught up in sexual sin, we can get a little queasy and go, wait a minute, but, but who do you think is involved in pornography that we, that we might look at from time to time? It's people who are being human trafficked, right? You, you expose the deeds of darkness. You bring, you bring the, the secret and the shameful and the horrible out into the light and you tell it what it is. So God can work. Verse 12, it is shameful even to speak of the things they do in secret. But verse 13, when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. This is healthy. And so if you have some secret and shameful thing that Satan keeps over and over accusing you of how terrible you are, you did that thing or you're caught up in this sin and it's a cycle and it's going to kill you and you're going to be in this until your death, stop listening to that. Hear these words today that those things can come out of the dark and into the light and be visible. And that is health and life and truth and what is right and what is good. You bring it out into the light with courage and it becomes visible. And the image that, that Paul gives, the image that God wants us to have in verse 14 is very clear. Anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore it says, awake, O sleeper, and rise from the dead. Now stop on that for just a minute. Awake, O sleeper. This isn't someone having a nap. This isn't someone kind of lulled to sleep. Uh, Rip Van Winkle, right? <laughs> this isn't somebody, uh, any of that kind of stuff, right? This, 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 isn't, this isn't that. The image here is life and death. If this is somebody having a nap, why would it say, awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead? The sin and the darkness and the shame is death. 
it's death to us spiritually. Sexual immorality. Cheap talk. The fringes of reality. They're not true and they're not right and they're not good. They're death. It's not just unhealthy. It's not just a bad way to go. It is spiritual death and sometimes physical death. But what is the hope? Awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Yes, you and me. Even though I did that? Yes. Even though I've been caught up in this and I can't get out of it? If you repent and you hate it and you don't want to stay there and you turn it over to God and you allow his power to start working in your life and you're accountable to other believers and you want to walk in love, then yes, that's what this passage says. Arise from the darkness that you're living in that is spiritual death. Wake up and arise from it. Christ will make you alive and his light will shine on you or on that person in your life that you know is struggling. This is a command not to lose hope for ourselves. This is a command never to lose hope for people in our lives that are entangled in sin. We should never lose hope and we should never lose joy for the truth of the good news of Jesus. It bookends our passage today. Here's where we're going to close. Verse 3, excuse me, verse 2. Walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. That's what it takes for us to be saved from our sin is to trust in Christ because of his sacrifice. And if we do that, if we turn away from immorality, if we, if we say, Lord, I want the, the highest standard and I know I can't live it on my own and I'm really weak and I've done a lot of dark things and I've been part of and I want to break free from all of it right now. And you come to that place and God starts working in you. It's encouragement and it's not darkness anymore. It's not death anymore. It's life and it's light when we're committed to the Lord Jesus and all that we do and we're committed to others. I can't promise this is easy. It can be a fight. We have to dig in. And we may have to, to pray along with people or fast along with people as they're fighting to get these uh, strongholds, these demonic stuff out of our lives, the sons of disobedience, those outside of the, the kingdom of God, no inheritance. For those things to change, I, I can't tell you that a whole new pattern in victory in life is going to be a piece of cake. But there's light and there's life. And no matter what we've done, if we're repentant and we're committed to walking in love, it is true for us as it was true for them. Awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. I hope we hear those words today. I hope we're engrossed in those words. I hope those words capture our souls. I hope they challenge our sin. Most importantly, I hope they lead us to humility and I hope they lead us to true faith and trust 
in what God has done for us through his son, Jesus Christ.